There's the snap, it's low, the placement, the kick is blocked! It's blocked! The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have picked the ball up, racing down the sideline. There he goes, they're going to score! Touchdown Jacksonville! Chris Hudson picks up the block and races downfield, and the Jaguars have beaten the Steelers! Welcome into Jags AM this morning. We're going over some special moments in Jaguars Monday Night Football history to celebrate the return to Monday Night Football, our first return there since 2011. That was 1997 when they blocked the Steelers' field goal attempt to win the game. Jaguars got that 29-21 win over Pittsburgh. Let's go over some of the big things for us this week as we prepare for the Monday Night Football game against the Bengals. And Monster is our first big thing, and that's a three-headed monster in the wide receiving court for the Bengals. No, they don't have Joe Burrow, but they have so much talent on the wide receiver group that pretty much anybody that can get them the ball is going to make them dangerous. Brian, this is something we talked a little bit about yesterday, but this has got to be a point that the Jaguars have been focusing on this week is shutting down these wide receivers. Well, it is, and I have a strong thought on that. Before I do that, happy anniversary to all the Jaguars fans who recall that today is the 30th anniversary of the National Football League announcement that the Jaguars would be the 30th franchise in NFL history. And it's a great reminder, John, who was here covering it, uh, that 30 years can pass in the blink of an eye. Yeah, I actually didn't cover that event. I was covering the University of Florida at the time. But I certainly remember the call. I remember talking to Pete Prisco, who was the Times Union main writer breaking the story. He had a good feel three or four days that it was going to be the Jaguars, and nobody believed it. Our editors, the paper, didn't believe it. He had to fight to get the stories written. Uh, That's how unlikely it was. And for somebody who grew up here who remembers Ursay and the Colts and all the teams that flirted with Jacksonville for years, he didn't think this could happen. Uh, The day that it happened, it it's still a surreal feeling. I still get chills thinking about it. And to think that's 30 years ago, yeah. uh, I'm an old man, Brian. Yeah, well, I'm an old man. That's the goal. It, it beats the alternative, John. And they say, hey, you remember John Osher? Uh, yeah. So, no. so, and they would say no. Yeah. <laughs> so, Guy, to answer your original question, sorry to get off track, but no, uh, it's, it's, it's a very memorable day for those of us who, uh, who were around and, and who have seen all of this, and, and hopefully for new Jaguars fans. And there are many of them in recent years to appreciate what November 30th means. And here we are 30 years later talking about a big Monday night game against three receivers. John, I think this is probably, if you're going to look at the most difficult group of receivers to match up with in the league, I think Jamar Chase is clearly, well, maybe he's not clearly, but he's right there at the very top of the league. And he is so hard to cover. And then you've got T. Higgins, who is six foot five. I think they expect him to play again this week after missing a couple of weeks with a hamstring. And then you've got Tyler Boyd. All of these guys are thousand-yard receivers in their career. And in fact, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, the last two years, have posted thousand-yard seasons. This is a formidable challenge, even if Joe Burrow is not on the field. Yeah, it, it's really hard to cover him when Burrow is playing. Uh, the key with this offense, I think. Uh, you need to stop Joe Mixon, it's what the Steelers did last week, completely take away the run and then focus on uh, getting after, uh, uh, I'm even forgetting his name and I've written it. Browning. Jake Browning. Jake Browning. This week. Uh, if, if, if you focus on getting after a young quarterback, obviously the receivers can hurt you. I think the key for the Jaguars is make a young quarterback make a few mistakes that really cost them. Uh, I expect them to be able to do that, but I've said all week, I think this is a little bit of a trap game. Don't assume just because Burrow is not playing that these receivers can't hurt you. They certainly can, and that's something I'm sure that the team has been focusing on this week. Another interesting thing, our second big thing, is going to be matchups because this is a little bit of a different offensive line than we've seen so far this season. Obviously, Cam Robinson headed to the injured list. 
So, John, we're, we've seen Ezra Cleveland a little bit, and now he's going to be starting at left guard. Walker Little moves over to left tackle. And what does this mean for the offensive line? Well, it shouldn't, and it sounds silly, it shouldn't mean a lot. And when I say that, the Jaguars have done a nice job in the last two years of making sure they have seven, eight guys that they trust and they can all play um, and, and play at a high level. They proved that last year. I don't think they get to the playoffs last year if they don't have seven linemen who can play. Shatley and Walker Little both came in. Um, if they've done it right, and I think they have, there shouldn't be a drop-off when they go to six or seven. Now the danger becomes if you lose one more, then your margin for error is gone. But uh, Ezra Cleveland, I thought, run blocked very well last week. He's a capable guy. He started uh, four or five years, or four years in this league. Uh, to me, I wasn't surprised when it looked the same last week when these guys went out. It's what it's designed to do. It's just now there's really no depth, or not as much depth, I should right. say. And, and Phil Rauscher deserves a lot of credit for the, the mix and match that he's had to do at times on the left side of that line where they've had injuries and suspensions that have caused all sorts of those issues. The last two weeks, only one sack allowed for this offensive line, and that was when Trevor Lawrence ran out of bounds with the ball in his hands against the Titans, Kai. Here's what I want to point out. They face Trey Hendrickson, who has 10 and a half sacks, so just shy of one per game. He's an impact pass rusher. And then a guy I think is underrated is DJ Reader, the former Texan who signed in Cincinnati a few years ago as a free agent. He plays the nose or the zero technique right over the center. They'll slide him into the gaps. He's a big wide body with surprisingly quick feet and he can blow up plays. And when you talk about defensive linemen, especially the interior guys, they don't have to do much. They don't have a lot of tackles or a lot of sacks in most cases, you know, Aaron Donald being the exception to that rule in most cases, but they blow plays up and force you to do things to the outside and take away part of what you want to do with your game plan. The Bengals have guys up front who can do that. So this offensive line is going to be tested on Monday night. Uh, as we move into our final big thing, we're going to go over some of our favorite Monday night moments. We saw one off the top of the show. And just talking about Monday night football, Brian, because if you have a big game on Monday night football in prime time, that can change your career trajectory. I mean, we talk a lot about Jacksonville getting that exposure. And we know Trevor Lawrence is great. But if he has a big game on Monday night or any player does, that can really stick in someone's mind for that the rest of their career, really. Well, it's the only game on, and there are a lot of people who have heard of Trevor Lawrence, maybe who saw him play at Clemson, but haven't seen the Jaguars because we're in a smaller market or in the AFC, or choose your reason. So it's a chance now for the Jaguars as a football team and the franchise to show what they're all about on Monday night football. And you know, John and I talked about this yesterday, you know, Sunday night versus Monday night. And Monday night in our you know, years growing up, because I think he said we're old men. Uh, it was the game, and it feels this week, John, like this is the game. ESPN, because of the money that they have poured into the contract with the NFL, is getting some big games, and, and this was supposed to be a big game with Joe Burrow. I, I can't wait. We have seen some immemorable moments. Some of the most memorable moments in Jaguars history happened in the 15 Monday night football games that this franchise has taken part in, and they're now 29 seasons. Yeah, it's... Uh... Unsurprising. To your point, some of the games of the Jaguars that I remember when I wasn't here um, was when they were playing on Monday night. I think the Pittsburgh game in 2006, uh, when they, I think it was nine nothing, uh, shut yep. them out. I remember that game because I saw it, yeah. and I I followed the Jaguars because they were in the division, but I didn't see them. So those uh, those moments do resonate. I don't know that uh, 
to me, the Chris Hudson return and the Fred Taylor for how long? 90 yards! Well, I mean, no, no, you know. that, that was the playoff game in 99, right. but, but that was 72 yards. 72 yards. Those two uh, plays, to me, stand out from the early days on Monday night. Let's hope there's more Jeez. to come, you guys. At least I'm hoping there's more to come. We have Sunday night football as well. So there's plenty of time for the Jaguars to do something big in front of a national audience. So stay with us. We're going to continue our deep dive into this matchup against the Bengals right here on Jags AM. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. We have some great news. Fields has the vehicle you want in stock, priced right, and ready for delivery. Fields Auto Group is Jacksonville's luxury automotive destination for Cadillac, Jaguar, Land Rover, Lexus, Mercedes-Benz, and Porsche. Inventory is back and available for immediate delivery. And every Fields customer can take advantage of our Fields Amenities Program with complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. You deserve the best. Stop by today or go to FieldsAuto.com. Calling all Jags fans. Is your little one ready to become a junior Jaguar? Now through January 2nd, MyGate Rewards loyalty members who buy two 20-ounce Coca-Cola participating products will be entered to win one of 10 behind-the-scenes experiences at Everbank Stadium for your child. Plus, you'll earn a 10-cent rollback at the pump, a win every time. Fuel your child's dreams, your car, and your passion for the Jags with Gate, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Since 2014, there's been only one official home builder of the Jaguars, DreamFinders Homes. With quality built homes and a speedy move-in process, we're in 20 plus communities in the best locations across Northeast Florida. DreamFinders Homes is everywhere you want to live. So get off the sidelines, Jags fans, and get into the game. Let DreamFinders help you navigate your home purchase and offer great interest rates. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all your move-in ready homes and step up your game. Welcome into Jags AM. Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxury at fieldsauto.com. Welcome back here. We're in the Hyundai studios for Jags AM on this Thursday as we prepare for that Monday night football matchup against the Bengals. And of course, whenever we face off against a team like this, we want to check in with the people that know them the best. Mike Petralia, our Bengals insiders, joining us this morning as we try to predict a little bit about what we're going to see on Monday. Mike, I know when I saw the schedule come out and the Jaguars are going to face the Bengals, that was one of the games I looked at and circled on my calendar. I was really excited for specifically to see Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, that's not what we're going to get. What's kind of the state of the team right now? Where are things at with them? Well, that's a great question, Kai. What is the state of the Cincinnati Bengals? I think, you know, what uh, certainly Zach Taylor, head coach, has tried to part upon and impress upon his players, uh, his fellow coaches and media and fans, uh, is that the Bengals narrative can still be written or rewritten, even though they are five and six after 11 games, even though they have lost Joe Burrow uh, for the season after Monday's uh, surgery on his right wrist. Uh, he believes that this team, quote, can still achieve something special uh, in the last six games of the season. And that's what really is at stake for the Bengals on Monday night. Can they show everybody that this team is capable of playing competitive football on a primetime stage? Right before the break, you talked about uh, the Jaguars in primetime. No team has struggled on the road 
in primetime more than the Cincinnati Bengals. They have lost by 15 in a road in a row on the road in primetime, 26 of their last 27 uh, dating back to the 1990s. Uh, they need to prove that they can be at least competitive on the road and maybe steal one on the road in primetime. We saw a sense of desperation out of the 49ers, a good team that came in and had struggled, had lost three in a row, and they came in and completely dominated the Jaguars. What you're describing seems a little bit of a desperation point for the Bengals as well. Is that kind of a focus point of coming in and proving yourself a little bit? I think so. And they were embarrassed last week, Kai, by running the ball just eight times and passing it uh, for about uh, 30 times uh, in that contest. They only had 38 offensive snaps from the line of scrimmage, not including the punts and the one field goal that they attempted and converted. Uh, they need to be better in the run game. There's no question about that. And uh, also heard your uh, uh, fellow colleagues talking about the uh, Jacksonville run defense and running the ball and what the Bengals might try to do with Joe Mixon. They've got to be committed to it, first of all. They ran Joe Mixon eight times last week for 16 yards. I think one point of emphasis coming into this game is going to be trying to establish the run more of a balance so you don't put the full weight of the offense on Jake Browning, who did a pretty respectable job last week. Uh, he was uh, 26, I'm sorry, 19 of 26 for uh, 270 yards. Uh, again, very respectable numbers. He threw a touchdown, uh, but he threw a key interception when the Bengals were up 7-3, driving on the first drive of the second half. He threw an interception, completely changed the course of the game, and the Steelers came back and won the game. Good morning, Mike. Hey, thanks for joining us. Um, let me take you to the other side of the ball and the Bengals defense. And Lou Anaruma has been celebrated for his opportunistic unit the last couple of years, but obviously they've struggled with some downfield shots. Um, tell me what's got to happen on that side of the ball for the Bengals defense to get back to that level of play where they were earlier this year and in their playoff runs of the last couple of seasons? Well, their safety play has to be better. Uh, that has been a point of weakness. Jesse, ba uh, Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell left uh, last off season. That left a big void back there. They had second year player Dax Hill out of the University of Michigan step up. He has essentially done a, a very commendable job filling in for Jesse Bates. Hasn't created the number of turnovers that Bates has in Atlanta. But the real weakness has been the strong safety spot. Nick Scott was signed away from the LA Rams. Um, he played okay at the start of the season, but his play really started to dip off, especially in the pass coverage game. And they've brought in a rookie, Jordan Battle, out of Alabama. He's done a good job, but again, he makes rookie mistakes, and they have allowed big gash plays. They allowed uh, something like 20. Uh, explosive plays against uh, 17 explosive plays against the Houston Texans a couple of weeks ago. Last week against the Steelers, it was really about the run game. And uh, the week before that against the Ravens, the run game has really failed them. And uh, your point was about DJ Reader, uh, really, and he and BJ Hill have done their best uh, in the middle of the defensive line. But when teams have gotten to the outside and run against the Bengals, they've had a great deal of success. And that's where I think the Jaguars will try to exploit the Bengals. Mike, one last thing from us, because I do like to get an outside perspective. What we see from Trevor Lawrence and what we know he's capable of, what have you kind of seen from an outside looking in? Obviously, you've covered a young quarterback in Joe Burrow, but what have you seen from Trevor Lawrence? 
explosive, uh, obviously very mobile, um, and he can be as accurate as there is uh, in the game. But I think the thing about Trevor Lawrence that impresses me, and we saw this last year in the playoff, uh, when the team gets down, Trevor Lawrence finds a way to rally the troops for the most part. And no game is ever out of reach for Trevor Lawrence. And those are the kind of things that Zach Taylor brought up this week. Of course, this is the Taylor Bowl, Press Taylor mm-hmm. against I'm sure you've brought that up already. Uh, but Zach has been very impressed uh, with the, the poise that Trevor Lawrence has shown. And that is something uh, that the Bengals are going to have to uh, be on the lookout for, not allow him to get out of the pocket and do things that Lamar Jackson has, for example, done against them when Bengals played the Ravens. I don't know if the Taylors pass that trophy back and forth anymore, but I'm sure bragging rights are on the line either way. They are on the line, Kai, but uh, Zach was asked specifically about that on Monday, and he said no, that the trophy stays at home with the parents, uh, with his dad, but uh, they still do have bragging rights at stake. There's no question about that. Very good. Should be a good one on Monday night. Mike, thank you for joining us and filling us in on all things Bengals. You got it, Kai. Thank you. All right, guys, stay with us. We're going to preview who we think some of the game changers might be in this game on Monday Night Football right here on Jags AM. Great news. Fields has the vehicle you want in stock, priced right, and ready for delivery. Fields Auto Group is Jacksonville's luxury automotive destination for Cadillac, Jaguar, Land Rover, Lexus, Mercedes-Benz, and Porsche. Inventory is back and available for immediate delivery. And every Fields customer can take advantage of our Fields Amenities Program with complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. You deserve the best. Stop by today or go to FieldsAuto.com. Since 2014, there's been only one official home builder of the Jaguars, DreamFinders Homes. With quality built homes and a speedy move-in process, we're in 20 plus communities in the best locations across Northeast Florida. DreamFinders Homes is everywhere you want to live. So get off the sidelines, Jags fans, and get into the game. Let DreamFinders help you navigate your home purchase and offer great interest rates. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all your move-in ready homes and step up your game. Hi Jags fans, Andre Sisco here, safety of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This season, I've partnered up with Lou Ray Peanut Company to serve a greater mission for the Jacksonville community with the Peanut Pickoff. Here's the deal, every time the Jags make a pick, Lou Ray is going to donate to youth football initiatives in and around the Jacksonville area. On top of that, the Jaguars Foundation will match every dollar. With each interception, our team inches closer to that W and our kids get to train for a brighter future. Remember, it was always the Jags. Florida Suddeth, Florida's most trusted and reliable moving company. Suddeth is proud to be the official moving partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. To get a guaranteed quote, you can visit suddeth.com slash jacks. Brunel hands off, Taylor running left, cuts it back. He's got a hold, there he is, 30. Taylor outside, 40. There he goes to the 45, 50. It's a foot race, 40. Taylor, 30. Taylor to the 20. He's to the 10. He's pulled down, but he gets into the end zone. Touchdown in the first play of the game. Talking about our Monday memories, Ryan. That yeah. was a good one. First play of the game. Um, you know, that, that, that was Taylor's rookie year. Mm-hmm. And he took over just the week before, I think, or two weeks before against Baltimore. And he had not won the job from James Stewart, another first-round pick at the time. And people, you remember, kept saying, what's the matter with Fred? How, how, how come we haven't seen this guy, you know, go? 
And the first carry he had against the Ravens went for 56 yards and a touchdown. So we weren't really surprised that he was explosive, like he could do mm-hmm. that. Except that was that was one of the fastest defenses in football. Yeah. That was Brock Marion and Sam Madison. And I mean, they were they were good. And for him to do that on the first play of the game against that defense, John, that was epic. And uh, it was a year where Fred should have won Rookie of the Year. Randy Moss won it. Fred had an equal argument to Randy Moss, I think, without... Same the, amount uh, of touchdowns, 17. Yeah, without the uh, Randy Moss Thanksgiving game. Yeah. Three catches, uh, 163 yards, and three touchdowns th- in Dallas. I think Fred wins that award. But every game... <coughs> excuse me. Every game he's doing something special. Um, I talked to Fred a couple years ago about that Miami game, and uh, he said what people don't remember, and he, he was sort of thankful for it. Uh, they were geared up to stop him. And I think he gained like 18 yards the rest of the – I mean, you only need Zach one. Thomas defense, uh, they were really geared up to stop him. But he said, I got him on that play. That's <laughs> <laughs> what people remember. And uh, the funny thing about that game, it was a great game beyond that. That was the game where Keenan caught two touchdown passes at the end. They yep. came back late. It was not a given. The Jaguars were really good. It was not a given they were going to win that game. I think Tony Brackens had a game-ending sack in that game. He was coming off an injury. So it was a, beyond that play, uh, a, I would say a turning point. But they were always big back then when you played the Dolphins and the Bucks mm-hmm. because they were the established teams. And that game sort of started establishing as the, the Jags, I thought, and they beat the Bucks later that season as the team, okay, they're not, they're not kids anymore. They went on and they won the division that year. It was a great year for the Jags, 98. In that Randy Moss game on Thanksgiving, we talk about these primetime moments. They can last in your memory, get mm-hmm. you awards, get you not- notice, all these things. Randy was, was a huge story because of that. Fred had more total yards and 17 touchdowns, the equal to Randy Moss, but he came up just shy and he never forgot it. He never, sure he doesn't. never forgot it. That's what I loved about Fred was, is, you know, he remembered everything, even if he was grateful that some people didn't remember everything. Hopefully they're both in the hall someday together, and then they can just give each other crap the entire time. That's what I would hope for. Semifinalist, right? Semifinalist here. Um, as we move forward, we're going to look a little bit at who we think might be big playmakers in this game on Monday. Um, who do you have this week? Well, I'm going with Travis Etienne for the reasons that Mike from Cincinnati just shared. Uh, he is an outside runner. Nothing to take away from the, his ability to go inside, but we have seen this year that when Travis Etienne is at his best, he is getting outside, looking for the cutback, or just racing to the corner and making things happen. The Bengals have been susceptible there, so I see it happening. Um, he won't necessarily average seven yards a carry, right? I mean, he is a guy, he's just under, what is he, 3.7, 3.8 right now. I mean, it's, it's a yard, a yard, then 15 yards with ETN, and I think there'll be a bunch of those. So it's not like he's going to put up these epic numbers, but I do think he'll get 100 yards, and he might score two touchdowns again, because I think the Jaguars are going to see an opportunity to feature ETN on the ground and keep the ball in his hands. And I think he's got a big night in front of him. Yeah, it, it's really, um, you feel for Travis a little bit. And again, it's not to knock the offensive line, but it, it has not been a great consisting, consistent run blocking unit this year. Uh, and I, I think Travis has done a remarkable job. His, I've, I've never really seen a back do this like this. I've covered Fred, I covered Edger and James, probably the two best running backs I've covered. Travis does an amazing job of getting small on a, at a moment and getting yards that most backs couldn't get. And I think he's created a lot of his own stuff this year. Um, and I think he's having a remarkable year for how 
the offense is playing. And I think they're a better team when they can get him in the end zone. On the occasions where they've been able to will him into the end zone, Buffalo, that three-game stretch, yeah. to me that still feels like they're, they're uh, they felt more secure in the offense in those two or three weeks. Like they trusted what they were doing a little more. And a lot of that's because they – they trusted their running game more than they have at any point this year. And I don't want to take anything away from his ability, his willingness to go inside. His, his longest run last week in Houston was, in, you know, an inside-the-tackle run where he, he set the defender up and then got 19 yards to midfield. It's just, boy, he's so electrifying when you let him get outside, and um, they need him this week. And most backs are better out there because there's fewer people. Make <laughs> he's got the speed yeah. to make guys miss. <laughs> it's, it's he's a, just not a pounder. No, no doubt, but he's gutsy, and he will do it. I went with uh, Josh Allen, and it's sort of an obvious pick. He had a great game last week, but he will play well because, to me, one of the biggest uh, disservices people have done with analyzing Josh, he's always been good. It's not like this year he's all of a sudden come out of nowhere and good. He's getting more opportunities for sacks this year. He's closing a little better. But to me, he's been a near Pro Bowl caliber player every year of his career. Um, he won't this week uh, be shut out. I think he'll get a sack. Um, the big reason I want to do this is, as he will, he will, he might. He might, it's not that people around the nation don't know him yet, but he might be the guy on the Jaguars who has the biggest chance to become a superstar on Monday. He has a couple, if he has a couple of sacks, he's a dynamic guy. He's not only a sack guy, but when he gets his sacks, he can be violent. He, he can create a sack fumble. Um, this might be where people nationally start referring to the Bills guy as the other Josh Allen. How about that? You're clever this morning, yeah. Osher. I, I will say this also. He's getting Orlando Brown, who is a handful because he's so big at left tackle. However, he's facing Jake Browning as a quarterback. And, you know, C.J. Stroud, Joe Burrow, these are guys who feel the pressure, who can slip to evade, who are very crafty in the pocket. I watched the game, the Bengals game against the Steelers. He's not a crafty pop, pro, pocket presence. Josh is a guy who keeps coming and can slide either way. I mean, I think I think this quarterback is going to be befuddled by the outside pass rush of Trayvon and Josh, and they're going to get some sacks because he's just going to be clueless about what's going on around him. Well, it's sort of the right time of the year for Josh to do what we're talking about. He's already got 12. Uh, you get a couple on Monday night that gets you to four. You know, now you can supplement the stats. People on on the broadcast are talking about, whoa, this guy, you know, yeah. they can talk about the numbers. They can go back and talk about the year he's having. It won't look like a flash in the pan game, which it wouldn't be, but you never know about perception. I think it's a huge moment for him. Tony Brackens, who's the all-time sack leader here with 55, his best season was 12. Uh, Calais Campbell in 2017 set the franchise record. He has 14 and a half. I mean, can you see Josh not getting the franchise record? I mean, he's, he might get it in the next two it's weeks. a matter of when, yes. Yeah. I know he's got that in his set of his mind as well. He's oh, been, you bet. He's got that on, on top of mind as well. I went with Andre Sisco because, as we mentioned, it's going to be tough with the wide receivers. So it will be a tough matchup for Andre Sisco to be out there kind of dealing with all of the wide receivers and all of the weapons that the Bengals have. I don't think he won't be overwhelmed by it is what I will say. He's faced off against great wide receivers before. We have seen moments as the nature of the position is, where there's a susceptible big play for this team. But I think this might be an opportunity for him to take advantage of a rookie quarterback. We've seen him be a ball hawk. We've seen him get interceptions. 
He's still trying to get that pick six. I know that's on top of his mind. Um, so this might be an opportunity where if Josh Allen and Trayvon are putting a ton of pressure on him, Jake Browning makes some silly throws, which um, younger quarterbacks are known to do or backup quarterbacks are known to do, and that's a possibility. Well, I hope here. he does better for you than he did for me. I thought last week, he was my he will, he won't, he might last week, and I thought, you know, the ball might get up there and he might get something. And Maybe this week. C.J. Stroud is obviously a very good rookie quarterback, but this week you get Jake Browning, who's not the same caliber. I bet you this week is a good week for Andre Cisco. Let us hope. Let us hope. Let's big big games for everybody as we ha- take on that prime time sp- stage. We will have one more Monday night moment when we come back after the break and we give our predictions for this week. Hello, I'm Dan Fields, and we have some great news. Fields has the vehicle you want in stock, priced right, and ready for delivery. Fields Auto Group is Jacksonville's luxury automotive destination for Cadillac, Jaguar, Land Rover, Lexus, Mercedes-Benz, and Porsche. Inventory is back and available for immediate delivery. And every Fields customer can take advantage of our Fields Amenities Program with complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. You deserve the best. Stop by today or go to fieldsauto.com. Since 2014, there's been only one official home builder of the Jaguars, DreamFinders Homes. With quality-built homes and a speedy move-in process, we're in 20-plus communities in the best locations across Northeast Florida. DreamFinders Homes is everywhere you want to live. So get off the sidelines, Jags fans, and get into the game. Let DreamFinders help you navigate your home purchase and offer great interest rates. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all your move-in-ready homes and step up your game. Suddeth is on the 20, the 10. Yes, another successful move to a new home. I tell you, folks, I've never seen a team more prepared than the Suddeth crew. With a dominating lead in training, trust, and efficiency, it's no wonder why Suddeth is the official moving company of the Jacksonville Jaguar. For the past 100 years, Suddeth has provided local, long-distance, and international moving services in Jacks. While the Jags are moving the chains on game day, Suddeth is helping you on moving day. Visit Suddeth.com slash Jags for a guaranteed quote. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all the customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. Florida Blue, proud to be the exclusive health insurance partner and support the Jacksonville community as the official community partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hand off to Taylor, looking for a seam. There he goes. Fred Taylor breaks a tackle. He's on the run. 10, 5, touchdown, Fred Taylor. And Jacksonville reclaims the lead. Hollis puts it up and through, and the Jaguars are winners over the Denver Broncos. Not much better than that. A Fred Taylor touchdown and a game-winning field goal. Yes. Context on that one. Fred, in 99, missed six games with a hamstring. And he took a lot of grief for that. They called him Fragile Fred. Um, and if you know anything about Fred, that really aided him. He didn't play most of that game. He had a few carries smattered here and there around. James Stewart did most of the heavy work. Um, they put him back in the game in the fourth quarter, and that's what he rips off is the game winner. And it was an important Monday night game. And I think a lot of people forget that Monday night game because the Jaguars were, you know, fighting for home field advantage. And that put it away, gave them the number one seed in the AFC. So Fred's run was not just the game winner. It gave them home field advantage. It was a good one. We love these Monday night moments. So uh, hopefully we'll get some more. We can play some on Monday for you or Wednesday for you next week because we're playing Monday night. I got to get my day straight. Um, We've talked a lot about this game. What are our final predictions, I guess? Brian, we'll start with you. 
Well, I mean, I think the Jaguars have a lot of motivation, right? Um, the last time they had a significant game at home, it was the Niners, and we all know what happened there. Uh, they're focused. They are the better team with Joe Burrow out, especially they are. Uh, they're playing well on both sides of the ball. I mean, just pick an area, and you can talk about the offensive line, the defensive line. They're playing good football. Um, I do think that the secondary has to play tighter coverage, right? It's easy to say, hard to do against the, the three-headed monster that we led off the show with, but I, I think the Jaguars win and, and um, set up next week's can we stay in the number one overall seed discussion. Yeah, I think they win. I don't think it'll be a uh, spectacular game offensively, only because I don't know if, it, if it'll have to be. It feels to me like it's a game that the Jaguars should be able to relatively control offensively. Bengals might move, but with a younger quarterback, you would think they would not be great in the red zone. So I, you know, I'd say something along the lines of 28-16, where the Jaguars feel in the second half like they got it under control. Uh, the reason I say it's not wider is the Bengals are a proud team. Uh, they're a tough team. They're not going to go down easily. So I think it'll be a fight. Uh, but I think the Jaguars, if they play, uh, you know, if they show up, if they play the way they've played to get to eight and three mm-hmm. with, it, with that level of intensity, I think they will uh, win the fourth quarter and win the game. They're also, by the way, the Bengals a well-coached team. Uh, sure. You know, you look at the way that they played last week, undermanned as they were in Pittsburgh, and it took the Steelers all the way to the end of the game to knock them out of it. So, and it's not just Zach Taylor, it's it's also Lou Anaruma, the, the defensive coordinator. He is a very well-regarded coach. So expect them to come in prepared and to make a fight of it. And I think that's big for me. It's a proving game in terms of the Jaguars just being ready to play. Obviously, we saw them against the 49ers. That was our last big game we were excited for, and they weren't ready to play. They just weren't. Obviously, it's a tremendous team, but they weren't able to do much of anything. And then also to see them go up against the Chiefs, not be able to quite get there. I think just taking care of business will say a lot about this team and just focusing, not underestimating an opponent just because Joe Burrow isn't out there and you know going out there and winning the games that they should win, and I think they should win on Monday night. Now, Everybody, I hope you enjoy your Sundays. I hope you enjoy Monday night here in Jacksonville. We'll be back next week to recap everything for you on Wednesday on Jags AM.